This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Life Beats podcast. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Assalamu alaikum, hello, Allah, and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. We're already celebrating the one month anniversary since the launch of the historic Al Bayt Sharjah Hotel and Resort. It is the first five star luxury hospitality brand in the UAE, built on and inspired by rich Emirati heritage and culture. The story behind it is extraordinary as it features a collection of four heritage houses, once owned by local families closely intertwined with Sharjah's history. We meet Keith Gavin, the architect and design director who worked closely with the Shuruq team to bring this breathtaking heritage hotel to life. It's an amazing transformation and we talk about it next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. 95. Keeping it local. Keeping it local. All day, every day. Pulse 95. Heart of Shasha. Life Beats Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Al-Bayt, which translates to the home, is part of an Emirati conservation project in Sharjah, spearheaded by the Sharjah Investment and Development Authority, or Shuruq. It's a hotel uh, that features a collection of four heritage houses, once owned by local families closely intertwined with Sharjah's history. The 200 million dirham five-star luxury resort is located in the heart of Sharjah, which is itself a major cultural heritage site here in the UAE. And stepping on this property, it is like stepping back in time. And yet, also noticing all the luxurious details that make your stay so effortless and magical, like being at home. Have you been there yet? It is a place uh, that you definitely want to explore and get lost in. And to tell us more about the extraordinary eight-year journey of transformation of this amazing uh, heritage site into a hotel, we have with us Keith Gavin. Welcome, Keith. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So great to have you with us here uh, on Life Beats, talking the transformation of this incredible property. Um it is a really special project because you are very much working, um, uh, you know, to, to restore a, a whole area, but to transform it, transform it into something else. So take us back. You know, how do you start with something like this? So extraordinary. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned that it's an eight-year project. It has uh, sometimes it feels like it's been actually longer than that, but. Um, uh, you know, a project like this is not something that you just start with an empty site and um, and move forward. You, there's so many different factors and so many different, let's say, interested parties involved. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why it took so long to get off the ground. Um, for example, we had um, the Charger Rulers Office involved. We had Sharuk as our immediate client. We had HBU, the Heritage Department, all of whom have a an interest, let's say, in the area. Mm. Um, fortunately, uh, although it took a bit of time, but fortunately... The overall vision for the the um, let's say transformation or restoration of the uh, heart of Sharjah is something that was in the vision of the clients Sharuk from the start. So the end goal there was an alignment with the end goal and with the heritage department and the other um, stakeholders. And part of the sort of challenge was how to bring all of these together. 
and how to separate the um, let's say the heritage component, which were the existing buildings, and the new buildings. And um, because part of the site was already demolished as well. That's right. Part, part of the site was demolished, and also there was a whole lot of new construction immediately surrounding the um, the, the site, which posed a problem, and you know still poses a problem in some areas where you can see these old buildings. Um, which were done, I think, in the, the 80s, 70s or 80s. Um, and when, when sort of demolition of the historic fabric was part of the, um, the natural process of its evolution and development of the city. And only after a certain period of time did the, the authorities realize in the UA in general that the heritage is actually as important as the new developments. Mm. And so they started this, this sort of process of identifying these, um, these, these houses and these buildings and restoring them. <clears throat> um, was a um, was a combination of uh, sort of restoration, renovation, and regeneration. And most of the heart of Charger area um, is part of that re- regeneration pro- um, process. Take us through, you know, those three different aspects and uh, the difference between each of those and, and what you did uh, as part of this project. To, the, the three R's, as I call them, the um, regeneration, restoration, and renovation <clears throat> are all part and parcel of revitalizing, let's say, a, uh, an historic area into something that is, that is um, vibrant. Obviously, you want to bring people back into the, into the, um, the precinct or the neighborhood, but also it needs to be current and contemporary in terms of, the, um, in terms of what the city is. Now, in um, the heart of Sharjah, for example, we had, as you mentioned, three um, existing buildings. Um, actually, there were four existing buildings. One of them, which was the, um, I think it was uh, Beit Mahmoud, which was uh, next to the actual um, souk. Yes. Those were in a state of serious disrepair when we, um, when we, we took over the project. Mm. And after a lot, of, um, a lot of designs and a lot of discussions regarding the, um, the actual usage of those buildings because obviously you need to remember that, that the families are still around and the families still have although the buildings have been handed over to the, the government families are still involved and the government and the clients as well wanted the families to have a say in what the uses of that building would be wow so, so you, you consulted with the al Midfa and yes, Al-Mahmoud we, we families didn't, but did. okay so we for example in um, Beit al-Midfa we originally had a restaurant and they consulted with the family and it was felt that that was that, that wasn't you know relevant to what the house used to be, and um, they they felt that it would be more used as what we have it now. Um, so so it, it's, it was quite important to to get all of this feedback from them, and that dictated to a degree what we had in um, in the different um, the different buildings where we located the reception, for example, where we located the the lounges, the restaurants, and all of those activities. Exactly, and it actually has. Uh, a museum as part of it. Yes. There's a library as part of it as well. Um, so, you know, tell me about the intention behind the project and how you brought that all together in the final property. The original, I guess the original intention was to, the reason for bringing a, um, let's say, a hotel component, hospitality into the area is that it brings footfall. It brings yeah. people in there. And the original idea was we wanted the guest to feel part of that old settlement mm, so mm. when they're walking through those streets it's almost as if they were taken back in time it really is and, and they, they get to explore the area the narrow streets the small courtyards all of that um and just to 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 go back to oh, i was talking about the the three r's earlier um in this 
the, the component where the bedrooms are at the moment, that forms part of the renovation, uh, sorry, the restoration, uh, apologies, re- regeneration. We introduced new fabric into the area, but on the footprints of the old houses. Mm. So we had um, some aerial fat, uh, satellite photographs from 1950s, and we traced the, the, the street patterns, and that created the actual building blocks for the new development. And that, the, the reason for that is that, you know, if some of the elders from the, the city at the time were to rewalk those streets, they would be walking down the same streets, the same access routes they would be using that they would have used to get to the square or to the creek in the old days. And, you know, it, it, it's co- a sense of continuation for them, but it's also for us discovering what it was like at that time. Yes. And, you know, the, and, and part of the people often ask, you know, what is it about the old or the traditional architecture? How do they deal with the climate? How do they deal with all these sort of things? And a lot of that, a lot of when you look at the when you look at the historic um, Emirati houses, for example, you start looking at the construction techniques and the form and the proportions. And most of what, <clears throat> to me anyway, most of what is, um, is successful about them, yes, it's how they deal with the climate, but it's, it's nothing uh, scientific. It's to do with the materials that they had at the time, which formed the proportion of the houses. It's to do with the narrow streets, which were often, often done like that because they wanted to get as many units, you know, the building close together from safety, from all those sort of aspects. And building up to one or two stories, which is the maximum you could go with uh, the construction techniques that they used at the time. And that started to form the narrow streets, the shaded courtyards, the shaded walkways. And that all adds, adds to the, um, the sort of the ambience, for one, and also the climatic control of the area. Then you take the, uh, the construction techniques using the coral or the stone that they used to use. That has a certain structural capability, and that's why the walls are nice and thick. And once again, that adds to the insulation values. Yes, yes, yes. We need to talk more about this. All of those details that we don't, you know, think about as to why these buildings look the way that they did, but also uh, in creating the El Bait Hotel and Resort. I want to talk about what you brought in that was new as well and combining that. Uh, to create the experience that we see. We're going to be talking about that next uh, with Keith Gavin. He is architect and design director. Next on Life Beats on Pulse95. You're listening to Pulse95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. We're back on Life Beats on Pulse 95 with Keith Gavin. He is uh, an architect and design director who was part of the team that transformed four heritage houses in Sharjah into what is now the El Bait Hotel and Resort. It's a stunning uh, 200 million dirham five-star luxury resort located in the heart of Sharjah. And Keith, we left off uh, just now. You started talking uh, about uh, all of those details that make Emirati uh, architecture what it is and the way that... um, you know, the, the way that it looked, the way that it was, was a, a reaction to not only the climate, but what was available to people at the time. Yes, uh, what, what I was mentioning there is um, in terms of the, the, the proportion of the buildings, uh, in terms of the size of the courtyards, the, the internal widths of the rooms. And this is something that right in the, in the beginning we looked at that in terms of, um, the, you know, looking at a five-star product and the size of the rooms. 
and the proportions of the old buildings are not really conducive to a five-star product for a, a particular room. However, because of the um, because of the fact that the existing building, the one that we did use for bedrooms, those were the proportions, we um, decided that that's what we were going to use. And all of the new bedrooms are sized accordingly to, according to those uh, proportions. Um, and we were fortunate um, when when the the operator got on board GHM that they were they bought into the whole theme and the whole process, and they didn't see that as as a problem at all. In fact, they they saw that as an added advantage to the development that you start to get a feel of what these these rooms and these spaces actually were like. You know what? It's interesting because they some of them are sweets. You know, they're quite big, yeah. uh, luxurious, and amazing. But there are also those uh, those smaller rooms which are the size of what would have been in a you know traditional room. Yeah. Um, and but it, it doesn't feel that small the way that it's been designed and and put together. Um, but it does give you that sense of intimacy, that feeling of home. Yeah. Uh, as you uh, occupy a room like that, I just I just remember Patrick, <laughs> the manager, talking about when he took us on the tour through there, uh, talking about the the mattresses that they brought in, which yes. are extraordinary. They're huge, they're big, like yes. they're properly like you know super king mattresses, the best in the world. I think they're from Switzerland. Um, that Can't, were, I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah, possibly yes. But you know, he was talking about the fact that the doors are so small; yeah. they had to dismantle the mattresses. Um, these incredible mattresses, you know, the best quality in the world. They had to dismantle them to get them in, and you know, the, you know, these are the amazing details that you have to think about yeah. when you're designing and creating a property like this, don't you? Yes, you do, and uh, yes, you know, people have uh, some people have commented about, for example, the heights for the beds and that, but you know. Traditionally, a lot of these beds were quite high and they were mm. quite quite big. And um, you mentioned earlier about the fact that the rooms don't seem and appear that small. Yeah. And you know, I think one of the reasons there as well is if you if you go into rooms, the color palette is fairly neutral. You don't have too many things trying to compete with each other. And that was kind of an approach that we had together with the interior designers um, to try and keep that palette. So it's almost like a seamless tra- progression from outside to inside to the rooms, the colors of the walls, the colors of the ceiling. Going back again to to how things were done previously in the past, where you know you would be using the same materials to do the floor, to do the walls, to do everything. And then your ceilings, obviously, in some areas, you've got the, the white ceilings, which would be the gypsum, and the use of timber. So on the old build, on, on the heritage buildings, where we have the bedrooms, we have the um, traditional ceilings, um, obviously, we've had to integrate all of the the, um, the modern technology. So behind those ceilings, we have all of the necessary Wi-Fi and IT uh, equipment. But from the, you know to the eye, when you walk in, it's it's like it was 50 years ago, however many years ago. And then on the um, on the new section, we've taken the same principle, but done it in a more contemporary fashion. Yeah. It's so, so beautiful because um, it is exactly like stepping back in time. Um, You don't have that feeling of, uh, like you said, anything, um, you know, being out of place or competing, uh, as you said. But it just, it does feel like you're stepping back in time and it's so, it stays true to the place, the the desert and the feel of, of the people who came from the desert, which is quite beautiful. Yeah, and, and you know another another one, reason I guess there is that the openings have been kept relatively small mm. in keeping with the the traditional um, approach. So the rooms do feel cool. Um, 
and you know it's, we have we have got small courtyards in some of them but once again we were limited because of the footprint of the building um, in order to maintain the streetscape um, and you know the, the important thing in the whole in the whole of the heart of Sharjah area the, imp- the most important thing there is the urban realm and the urban realm is defined by the by the proportions of the buildings and the building blocks if you like and then once you're inside the building blocks you've got almost like another uh, sub urban scenario mm-hmm. with your courtyards and your, your walkways and that yeah 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 and um the, the other nice thing about um on, on the bedroom blocks at least what what we were able to achieve and this because this comes out of a practicality there was a practical uh, necessity to join all of the, the the room blocks together not necessarily as as a, an enclosed space but in, just in terms of servicing and and um accessibility for the guests and legibility for your rooms and that but on the ground level we have the rooms are divided by the streets but on the upper level we have a different um, circulation network where all of the all of the blocks the baits if you like are connected by walkways so it gives you an opportunity to actually view the streets from above which is not something you would have had that's true um, previously but it's it just normally gives, enclosed <clears throat> yeah so yeah. it just gives you it gives you a slightly different perception of the space and especially at night when you walk around it's it's uh, it is quite a nice uh, feel i think it was quite quite successful do you know what's amazing we're going to talk about that next the whole idea of the spaces between the buildings as something that that is kind of what defines it as well in a really beautiful way walking through walking around uh the buildings Getting lost between all of the different buildings is quite an amazing experience. We're going to continue the conversation next with Keith Gavin, design director behind the Al Bayt Hotel and Resort right here in Sharjah. This is Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, we are talking the transformation of the Al Bayt Hotel and Resort in the heart of Sharjah. If you haven't been, it's a place you really, really need to go uh, because it's like uh, stepping back in time, but it's also uh, this incredible urban oasis. Uh, it's so incredibly peaceful, um, but you're just really surrounded by um, a place that you feel like is long gone, but actually um, it is very much alive. It is very much part and parcel of the culture of the urban spaces uh, that we occupy today. Uh, Keith Gavin, who is the design director and architect uh, behind the project, behind the team uh, who worked on the this project, Keith. Um, you know, talking about how these spaces kind of evolved, in fact, and how uh, they are. You know, because of the the, uh, the the materials that were used at the time, the palm trunk, the humble palm trunk. You know, that played a really important role in construction and in defining how big the spaces were. Even. Yeah, I think you know it's interesting. I, I think most visitors to the UAE. Um, they don't realize how much the palm actually influences or has influenced life in the desert from, you know, from day one almost. Um, from the Arish houses that were originally built on the on the sands of the for the, the fishermen villages, like in Al Khan, for example, where it was all done from the palm the palm leaves, to the um, to the houses that we see the, the traditional houses that we see the um, the ones that were built with coral and rock, um, and the proportions of the buildings. As I mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of traditional architecture is is kind of a um, 
a result of what was available at the time in terms of materials for construction. And the palm trunk was often used as, um, as support for the roof. And so therefore your, your support, your, your width of the room was governed by the length of the available palm trunks. And um, the palm trunk would be split and then used for the roof and then on top of the roof would be the palm leaves. They would be woven into a mat. On top of that became, became your sand layer which is acted as insulation as well. And then um, the, the mixture of um, the, the lime and that that they use for the plaster as well which is, would be your, your roof topping. So it has, it's governed a lot of, um, a lot of construction. Uh, the traditional construction has been governed by those that available materials and the proportions of it. The walls as well, um, sorry to interrupt you there, the, the walls as well, you know, the stone wall or a coral wall is um, is not like a concrete block. It, it has a certain um, compressive strength, yes, but it needs bulk, it needs mass to do that. So your walls would be, um, much as uh, medieval um, castles or, or that in, in Europe, your walls at the base are thicker and they come up and it's, it's a, it's a, um, the thickness of the wall is a um, consequence of the material that you're using. Exactly, and it's uh, what helps to, to insulate these buildings as well. Um, when I talk about the, the details of a place like this, um, one of the defining details of Al Bayt Hotel is the Burjil wind tower uh, that we see there. It's the only one uh, that is a rounded wind tower there in the whole of the UAE and this this has been preserved there um, in the building from the the, the original building there. Um, tell us some more about that, why that's so significant. Well I think the significance of the wind tower in, uh, in, the, in the UAE, obviously there's a lot of examples um, around Sharjah or there were a lot of examples in the historic Sharjah and the heart of Sharjah as well, um, as well as in Dubai um, and other parts of the UAE. Um, interestingly enough, the, um, the in all the traditional architecture that we have here, there's a lot of influences from um, the the, the, um, the surrounding countries. For example, the the, um, the wind tower is actually from Persia. It's an it's an introduction. I think it was Iran where it was first. Uh, the idea was uh, first seen and brought across to the UAE. And we have this a lot with um, architectural details and and certain things that you will find in the uh, Emirati houses as well as further afield Saudi Arabia and all of that as well as materials you would often find um, for example um, the the traditional fisherman village the houses might have been built of Arish as we mentioned earlier or simple coral fossilized coral that have been found on the beach or stone as the traders got more and more wealthy from the trade and as they traveled further and further they would bring different materials and different design techniques different elements for example, they might bring a, a doorway from somewhere, from India or from one of the places that they've been doing trade with. And they would bring these back. And the wealthier merchants, you would see the houses would be bigger. They would be slightly, maybe double story. And they would have these certain elements that would be um, recognizable and slightly different. But then those elements became part of the next phase of development of the houses. People would like to emulate that. They'd like to have something similar. It, yeah, so people, it, became, it would get copied. Yeah, it would get, get copied exactly, and get copied and refined. I think that's important to, to state, you know, and it would get refined and become part of the actual architecture of the region. That's amazing. I mean, it, just like food does, just like your clothing does, and all of these other uh, elements do as well. Uh, the the elephant doors. They're incredible. You mentioned the doorways. Yeah, there are the elephant carved out uh, wooden doors. Um, there's a replica there that is uh, part of the hotel, but there's also the original doors that yeah. we see. They're incredible. Correct. That, yeah, the original door has been uh, is in the museum side of thing. Uh, 
part of the um, of Beit HaMidfah. So beautiful. It's yeah. just incredibly beautiful. And, and then you, yeah. That, that entranceway obviously is one of the things that um, it was important that we, we retained. Um, the um, small, uh, I think it's now the coffee shop, which was the Al-Midfa Majlis. That's also something that we had to, we retained as much in its original state as possible. But obviously giving it a new use to make it something that can be uh, sustainable and that can keep being used because it's only it's only through the, the continued use of these buildings that we manage to maintain them. Mm-hmm. As soon as we don't use them anymore and they're not maintained, then they start, they start, um, becoming dilapidated and start especially is with the coral walls and that it needs constant maintenance yes that that would be and this is painstaking <clears throat> yeah yeah and this is this is one of the uh, one of the early aspects and the the, 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 so the constraints and the challenges that we had um, how do we deal with these these historic buildings and um, you know fortunately the heritage dis, uh, department stepped in and they took responsibility for the restoration of the historic buildings using our plans obviously and our uh, functionality um, they then took uh, control of the um, the reconstruction of these uh, using the traditional techniques, and then we uh, took it over again and uh, you know put did the final finishing touches and the, all the FF&E. Um, it was slightly different on the new buildings. The newer buildings we um, we used uh, contemporary construction, but obviously maintaining the proportions and the um, the sort of aesthetic qualities. Mm. of the historic buildings yeah and and maintaining you know the the courtyards as well and the the places in between um all of the various rooms uh that actually adds to to the whole feel of the place and and this is actually um just as important as when you're inside the rooms themselves yes it is and one of the, the interesting thing there is that on um on the 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 building block the bait that we use which was a historic um, part of the historic fabric we have introduced rooms there now only on one side do those um, rooms have windows to the outside all of the other rooms are the windows are inward facing and this is obviously something that did concern us right in the beginning to have a hotel that has rooms facing into a public courtyard public in, in terms of uh, guests not in terms of outside public um, on the new buildings what we managed to do because we were constrained if you like although it was a self-imposed uh, imposed constraint um, we introduced small external courtyards within that footprint so that the, the, the rooms at least had some external natural light coming in. And that meant that you maintained a degree of privacy from the internal courtyards. Mm, beautiful. I want to ask you uh, next, Keith. We're going to be talking to Keith about uh, the challenges of, uh, because these are smaller spaces. It is not one big building uh, where everything fits in. Uh, so coming up next, Keith, uh, we want to talk uh, about back of house. How do you uh, create that space for back of house uh, and uh, and other challenges of bringing the Elbait Hotel and Resort to life here in Sharjah in the UAE. More next on Life Beats on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. Talking the El Bait Hotel and Resort in Sharjah. Kev, uh, Keith Gavin, in fact, uh, design director uh, behind the project, uh, part of the team uh, to oversee the transformation. Uh, we are going through all of the amazing different aspects of it. Um, Keith, uh, normally, you know, when you've got a hotel, they're 
there is just a huge back of house area where everything happens and and flows but there's you know quite a unique challenge when you've got you know a set of smaller houses and you've got to you know have a back of house for that how does it work yeah that was uh, that was one of the biggest challenges i would say um you know apart from getting all of the um the stakeholders in agreement with the historic uh, treatment and the renovations and restorations uh, one of the biggest challenges was the mep mm. and the back of house because obviously, as I mentioned earlier, we, we the footprint of the hotel is based on the old street footprint, the urban fabric from the 1950s. That meant that all of the buildings are in separate components. Now we have to link all of these buildings um, from a mechanical and electrical point of view and data and everything else. We couldn't link underground because the seekers in the streets are so narrow that all of our drainage, all of our major electrical supply and everything comes down those streets. So underneath each of those streets, it is chock-a-block full with services. So... Um, one of the ways that we did connect it, and this, this actually had a dual function, I mentioned earlier about the upper walkways, the sort of street above the street, if you like. Those links between the buildings, uh, the, the walkway links, enabled us to actually link our services as well wow. at that level underneath there. So it's all hidden and you don't, you don't see it at all. And uh, that, that was, a, obviously it was a challenge getting it, um, getting it to work, but it did work out um, at the end very, very well, I think. Um, the other thing is, of course, introducing air conditioning and all of the, the, the you know, so the modern comfort um, items into the old buildings, the historic buildings, and that was a challenge in itself. And we, you know, we did numerous studies as to how we can get that to work with the old timber ceilings, with the exposed chandrel panels, and uh, what kind yeah, of problems it, would you face there? Well, if you're looking at traditional construction, the traditional construction of the um, of the roof, for example, mm. you had your chandrel panels that came in as your main structure support, and that's where originally they were the palm trunks. Um, and then when when they started to import more timbers from different parts of the world, part of the trading, they used the chandrel panel, the, the chandrel pole. Um, that then was topped with a um, with a, a, the the arish, the palm fronds, which formed a sort of ceiling underneath, but it also formed a formwork for the uh, the roof construction on top of that. So you're not left with any space or any, um, any uh, mechanical interventions. So one of the ways, uh, one of the, the, the sort of solutions we looked at was a false wall at the end. So your, your, your air conditioning came in at the actual the end wall and your room was slightly smaller. It was made slightly mm. smaller by putting in the air conditioning out there. That was one of the, one of the solutions that we, we came up with. Um, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing to think, you know, these are all of the things that you're uh, up against and having to think about uh, when you walk into the place it seems uh, seamless and just effortless there is nothing there that that you know hints at any of that which is i, I believe it just makes it for a, a very successful project yeah and, and you know you'll notice when you're walking around if you, you, you can notice the difference between the new buildings and the, the existing buildings mm. obviously um, uh, one of the main things that you can notice is the, the wall finishes um, because the wall finish, the, the, the material you use against a coral wall is slightly different to the material you normally use against a, um, a block wall because of the porosity of the, of the coral. And um, that's one thing we had to be very careful of, especially with air conditioning. Because some of those, um, those existing walls that have a recess into them, it means that the actual coral is quite thin mm. in those areas. So it was, it was quite a challenge to how to not only waterproof, but how to insulate the, the walls. And you'll see a lot of, um, as well, there are still some areas where you've got a bit of water, the, the water retention, let's say, in those old walls is a lot greater than you would have in a new a new wall. But 
at the end of the day, um, as I mentioned uh, earlier off air, I was walking around there the other night and it kind of adds to the character of the of the area because it that's does. what all the old buildings look like. You don't want something too sterilized. No. Obviously, if something is obviously a new intervention, that's different. But you want to get something of that character of the old, uh, you know, of the old urban fabric. The trees, for example, in the Sikhs, they caused a major headache at times because they were really in the middle of where you wanted to put something. But a decision was made early on to retain them. And I was actually talking to one of the um, the staff members, and he mentioned that so many people have come up to him and said, "Oh, it's fantastic! You retained this tree. I remember this tree from when I was a kid." Wow. Yeah, so it's 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 good because it's those little aspects that you, you don't really think about initially yeah. that really make it feel special to the people of Sharjah. They for do. Example. It just feels like it's always been there. It doesn't feel like a new structure. It doesn't feel like something that's out of place. It feels like it's always been there. So congratulations. It's an unbelievable project. As we said, eight years in the making. It's just extraordinary. Um, but I want to ask you finally just about your favorite parts of it. I think, I think my favorite parts of, um, to be honest, any historical building. I like the urban, the urban fabric that it, that is created, and I I always I always like um, a, a quote. And unfortunately, I can't remember who the author of this quote was. It was a, I think it was an urban planner, but he said the the outside of building is the inside of a city, and that's so true in this in this instance. So there's, you know, the seekers, the courtyards, the external spaces. To me, that's what makes it. It is. It is the heart of it. It's mm. so beautiful. Absolutely. Keith Gavin, uh, architect and design director, thank you so much. Very welcome. For the thank insight you for today me. into uh, what is a, a stunning property. Um, yeah, if you haven't visited, you have to go. Make sure you go. It is Al Bait uh, Hotel and Resort right here in the heart of Sharjah as well. Coming up next, we've got Mr. and Mrs. Muscleback. We're going to be talking that organ in your body that plays a vital role in whether you lose weight or not, as well as its impact on your overall health. That's next on Life Beats on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.